Alors, mon empêche, yeah, so, so, that's so, 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 I'm not going to play you, um, audio of the sausage. But the sausage is gone. Ah, he's resigned. We tricked the little trick. So, yeah, how amazing is it that I got that right about the cabinet minister resigning, eh? Are you impressed, then? A couple of hours after I put up the episode, or about an hour and ten minutes, I think, after I put up the episode. Savage Davidge, maybe he's a listener, uh, was first, wasn't he? After Rishi Sunak. So who's it going to be then, eh? Who's it going to be? So there's a couple of things to take into account. First of all, um, in his speech, he said, I'm going to remain until a new leader is chosen, which I thought was an elegant way of getting around the conversation is clearly going on, whereby, you know, number 10 are being contacted by, you know, multiple MPs and high up, you know, former cabinet members saying he can't stay around. He, there's no way that Boris Johnson can stay until October. Um, so it gives um, brain, so Graham Brady, the guy from the 1922 committee, to spend the weekend speaking to all of the potential leadership hopefuls and, you know, kind of talk to them about different options. I mean, there's a chance that they can whittle it down very quickly in terms of who the MPs choose uh, to two, and then they go and uh, do a kind of tour of the country, and then they get someone in place for late September or October. Ideally, if, if Johnson hadn't shat the bed so much in the last couple of days, that from a kind of party point of view, that's ideally what they want to do, yeah? So you have a possibility of having um, debates about policy and essentially a massive, great big fight. But everybody will be on holidays, so nobody will really be taken seriously. And hopefully, um, you know, they then kind of come up with somebody at the party conference, which is in October. But because he has shut the bed, there is not much of an appetite for him to hang around until October, especially because there's a sense that he will uh, try to get things passed, like try to get essentially, I mean, he won't be able to pass anything in um, the House of Commons, but he will, you know, try to get policy in the minds of people. Like, so this idea of cutting taxes, which after... um, Sunak uh, walked that's the first thing on Johnson's mind and apparently Nadim Zahari Zahani who's the new Chancellor is way up for cutting taxes and he's kind of in the job because of that now I can't understand why he didn't resign today the idea that he gave which is so kind of lame is that you know you have to kind of have a Chancellor in place Okay, fair enough. But do you really need to have a chancellor in place that then uh, agrees to uh, doing the kind of policies of a prime minister that's going to be gone in three months at the very most? You know, he is not doing himself any favours at all. I mean, any of those clowns like Greg Clark, you know, all of the people that have... Kit Malthouse. It's a good name, pal. Kit Malthouse. He looks like a teddy bear, that guy, doesn't he? You know, they're all of the people that um, Johnson is trying to fill the gaps with. And I'm not too sure whether that's going to be very successful because I think it's 59 people have resigned and he sacked 
Gove as well. So that's 60 people uh, that he has to, and you could argue, well, actually, you don't need to, um, you know, give the jobs to the PPSs for the next couple of weeks, because it really is only two weeks until they break up for the recess, which is what they call the summer holidays. Um, but at the same time, you do need ministers in position, you know. Uh, you definitely need, you know, key ministers in position. The guy that was uh, talking in on behalf of the government in response to Angela Rayner's urgent question was saying, oh yeah, but ministers from other departments can make decisions for the departments where there are no ministers, which is like utterly ridiculous. I mean, that is not a functioning government. The education ministry, for instance, I mean, I know they've just, you know, announced... A, a new education minister because the one that was there for 24 hours quit but it, they still need ministers in the education um, you know ministry and the leveling up ministry so there's various ministries the home office interestingly uh, didn't uh, lose anyone I don't think and so you know as you can see that they're the most kind of Tory loving uh, Johnson loving bunch of um, well what's the word I think the word is fuckers that's the word so anyhow, so we've got this situation where there's a tension between um, Boris Johnson, who wants to kind of like make a path, if you like, towards, um, you know, lower taxes and all of that kind of cutting taxes. And, uh, you know, this sense that all of those things should be discussed within the kind of, you know, race of the new people that may be the leader, okay? And at the same time, though, you want not you. They, they basically don't want Boris Johnson to do that, obviously, because he's only going to be around for a couple of months. So it's got nothing to do with him. He's the caretaker government. He, he's uh, prime minister. He should be just like keeping his head down, you know. So I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, who knows what the Tory party are going to do? But I wouldn't be surprised if they try to speed it up really, really quickly. And with Michael Howard, what they did was that they basically gave only one option to the members of the Tory party, which was basically, you've got to vote for Michael Howard, you know. Michael Howard was whittled down as the only one person that went to the um, the Tory party membership. But we're not in that position. There's like plenty of voices, you know, Tom Tugendhat to, um, you know, Ben Wallace, Liz Truss, Savage Javid, you know, totally different people, totally different uh, perspectives on everything. To- like they kind of represent different parts of the party as well. You know, Jeremy Hunt. I mean, I don't think that Jeremy Hunt is going to get a snifter because of Brexit. Um, you know, he lost badly last time to Johnson. Um, and although he came second, you know, really, you know, he's going to beat Michael Gove, for Christ's sake. Do you know what I mean? Um, so anyway, it's very interesting, like this, what happens next. And in the background, you've got Starmer, who is um, threatening to do a vote of no confidence. Now, the vote of no confidence is going to be very, very interesting. Because if not enough people are siding with Graham Brady and his decision with the new leadership of the 1922 committee, who are going to be anti-Johnson... But they may well be pro-tax cuts, and they may well like the idea that Johnson's last thing to do is to bring in a tax cut. And they may well like the idea that they have 
you know, three months to discuss policies and, you know, the, I mean, certainly it's far more democratic, obviously, if you have time to discuss ideas and then you uh, tour the last two people around the country, around, you know, conservative um, offices and clubs throughout the country, like they did when um, Hunt went up against Johnson a couple of years ago. So that makes more sense to do that. But if they do do that, does Starmer then, a couple of days before the recess, or a couple of weeks before the recess, does Starmer then go along with his threat to do a vote of no confidence? Because at that point, I think there's a good chance that Starmer will lose that. But at the same time, even if he doesn't win that and therefore trigger a snap election, it still may be a good idea. I'm still quite kind of not really sure whether that's a good idea from a Labour point of view. You know, just basically to kind of call them out, you know, say, how can you go against this guy? I mean, actually, it's very simple to see that argument from the Labour point of view, isn't it? How can you, like, go against this guy, resign en masse, you know, make sure that he gets kicked out, and then you're happy for him to stay around for a couple of months. You know, where is your backbone? You could write it yourself, couldn't you? I mean, it's easy to write that one. The um, charge of the lightweights brigade is a good line, isn't it? Yeah. A zero, what was it? Z-list cast of nodding dogs. And you know who was nodding at that point? Um, Nadine Doris. <laughs> Nadine Doris was nodding along when um, Starmer was calling them a Z-list of nodding dogs. <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, so it's all looking tasty. Who do you think is going to be the leader? Uh, apparently Ben Wallace is like very, um, you know, up there with the Tory members. But I don't think I'm impressed. Ben Wallace. You know, I mean, I don't know anything about Ben Wallace. He sounds like a total prick. I think they really need somebody, um, you know, a little bit different. I would say, I mean, they're all a bunch of... If it was up to me, I would go for somebody that wasn't in the cabinet. You know, that's like the cleverest, politically cleverest thing to do. Because it's far too easy and obvious an attack for all of the opposition. To, like, you could easily tie Ben Wallace to Johnson because he's been... He didn't even fucking resign. Do you know what I mean? Ben Wallace? What the hell? So if, if it's somebody with a, a relationship with Johnson, then I think it's going to be quite easy to pin all of the crimes and lies and corruption on Johnson. It's not going to be um, Nadim Zahari, by the way, because he, his um, finances are being investigated by the National Crime Agency. Do you know about that? It's not going to be um, Sunak, by the way, because it's just too easy to uh, bring back the spectre of, you know, the green card and the nom-dom status and, you know, this, this question of, you know, why exactly are you in politics, you know? Is it just to kind of essentially uh, get influence and um, uh, all of that? So I don't think it's going to be him. I can't quite see who it's going to be, really. I mean, maybe David Javid, he did quite a good speech yesterday. It wasn't brilliant, but it was, you know, okay. Um, yeah, but whoever it is, I mean, I don't, they, they will get a bit of a, you know, post-Johnson uh, post bump. But I really don't see them being 
uh, able to to steer in a couple of years to steer the ship out of the shit, you know, because we're in deep shit basically. I know I've got a lot of uh, listeners in other countries. You probably know this, but we are in deep shit. You can't do anything. There's uh, you can't get a passport. You can't get a bloody driving test. You can't even get a driving lesson. You can't go to the hospital without staying in an ambulance for hours and hours and hours. And then when you get in the hospital, you're in a fucking corridor for hours and hours and hours. You know, a hundred and ninety-seven thousand. 635 people have died from COVID-19. That number of people have got COVID-19 in their fucking death certificates. Well, Boris Johnson is saying, oh, I'm very proud that we got through COVID together. Well, not totally together, you know? What about the 197,635 people that fucking died of COVID? And, you know, thank God for Omicron, I had COVID. It wasn't a picnic, but I've certainly been far worse ill in my life. And, you know, it's because of Omicron and because I was snorting a vitamin D. Like, no, tomorrow. Anyway, um, yeah, so there we go. So a very exciting day of politics. Quite a good day to uh, be off off uh, work with a cough, which is uh, kind of a bit better. But I'm genuinely ill. I am actually ill. You can probably hear it in my voice, can you? Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, a few things to think about. Uh, what's the timetable in terms of getting a new leader in place? Um, I, it's very difficult to say whether they're going to, I mean, I can't quite work out why they're not just getting on with it tomorrow, for fuck's sake. You know, like there is a, like a series of crises in front of us. Um, it's quite difficult also to work out who uh, it will be in terms of, you know, somebody, because I think quite a lot of this, um, the backbenchers who came in in 2019 in the Red Walls, who are like, you know, kind of from essentially Labour areas, I don't think quite a lot of them, I mean, they might have liked the idea of Brexit, but I don't think they're um, socially conservative at all, you know. Um, so for instance, one of the letters that really um, caught my eye in the last couple of days was the MP from Darlington, who's this gay MP, and he's upset with this anti-trans bullshit that the government are doing. And he really attacked them quite strongly in terms of, you know, saying that you're anti, you know, basically you're homophobic, you know. Boris Johnson's government is homophobic, so I can't support you anymore. I mean, it makes you think, why didn't you put your letter in ages ago, you know? Having said that, I used to work in Darlington a couple of years ago and it was the first um, Pride uh, gathering that they'd ever had in town. It's quite a big town, Darlington. And the, one of the teachers that I knew, who worked in the school where I worked, um, went to this Pride gathering and the kids like took the piss out of her afterwards, like homophobic children taking the piss out of this teacher. So that's the kind of place Darlington is, do you know what I mean? So for them to vote a Tory gay, I mean, they probably didn't know he was gay at the time. But, um, you know, it uh, shows you that there's, um, there might be quite a lot of that uh, class of 2019 
that are just really wanting a clean break, you know. They've obviously, you know, felt very loyal to Boris Johnson because they basically felt like that, you know, all of those people in the Red Wall were voting for Boris Johnson and against Corbyn. And Corbyn was certainly not popular. I mean, I know that, you know, I had plenty of people tell me and I would ask them about it. Plenty of people who would say, yeah, I've voted Labour all my life, but I'm not going to vote Corbyn. So this idea that, you know, Corbyn was, well, I mean, we don't, <laughs> that's, that, that's an uh, issue has passed, thank God. Um, yeah, so, but we never, you never know, they might be interested in going for somebody like, you know, Tom Tugendhat or someone, maybe even um, Hunt. But I'm not sure about Hunt. I think Hunt is going to have to kind of change his, change his thing on Brexit. And I mean, you know, it's pretty sad state of affairs when, you know, the most charismatic, interesting person in the Tory party, who you think at least isn't like utterly corrupt, is Jeremy Hunt. I mean, God. This is how far we've come. Anyway, all right, yeah, listen, um, I, I'm thinking, half thinking of doing like a massive um, episode one day. Not soon, but probably, I don't know when, really. Not sure. But it would be nice to kind of like uh, put a seal on the, um, I mean, maybe in relation to any public inquiry or official inquiry in COVID-19, you know. Um, but I looked up um, on one uh, reckoning where just in terms of the number of people that died and that had us down at 180,000 whereas it's actually 197,000 plus we're seventh hit hardest hit in the whole world you know so this idea I mean I did a whole podcast about it you know if you're listening to this <laughs> you know what I think about Boris Johnson in relation to social uh, in relation to uh, COVID but, um, you know, I mean, it's absolutely extraordinary. What's his name? Should get his fucking act together in relation to that as well, by the way. Starmer. Like, Starmer should be like every single day. I've been saying this for weeks or months even. Every single day, she'd be calling him a liar. She'd be calling him uh, corrupt. She'd be calling him a criminal. You know, every single day. And this idea that, you know, he's done a good job with COVID-19. Do me a favour. I mean, you literally couldn't get someone worse. That the fucking nurse was saying, don't wear masks for weeks, you know? I mean, and now, like, what the hell? It's like we're going through the looking glass, you know? Paranormal blip. It's like going through the looking glass, like living this alternate world where somehow the COVID response was a success. I mean, why the hell isn't Stummer attacking him on that? Incredible. Incredible. Anyway, as you can see, I've got a bad cough, so I've got to take it. Okay, take care. See you later. Bye.